This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Oli Tikkanen. And, and I, I think anyway, measuring sleep, whether it's from the wrist or whether it's measuring with the ring, it's it's never really accurate if you don't really put the electrodes in the in the brain. And of course, when you when you in a sleep deep sleep states, you kind of paralyze, your muscles are paralyzed. So if we see no movement, no accelerations at all in the thigh, we can assume that that's, that's the deep sleep. And I think also one, one interesting thing is that when you have it on the thigh, you could basically also look at the sleep positions. You can see whether the person is sleeping on the back, on the stomach, on the side, and there's there's some some research studies showing that, for example, for a low back pain, using sleep in a certain way, if you have the acid reflux uh, in your stomach, that the the acids are coming up, you should sleep on your put it on the left side and avoid sleeping on the right side or vice versa. So I think we could discuss that. I think nobody has really measured too much of of changing of positions. And that probably also links a little bit to how well you sleep. That if you're switching all the time position, you you are not probably sleeping sleeping really well. So I think that's that's also something that could be could be looked from the accelerometer data on the on the thigh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We 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 actually provide um, right, the process of developing things, but what, what, what you can say what we actually can provide or will be able to provide for for that is is as you say the position. So you can see, you know, when are you changing position? Are you lying on left or right? Um, in a combination with with um, with having this amount of movement. So if you if you change your position. <clears throat> then the amount of movement um, for that is actually quite large when you when you look at accelerometers because you you change the the field um, as the the, um, the the gravity vector changes uh, direction on it so so that um, that that has a, a quite large impact so you would actually see that as a um, as a as a large you can say value on the um, on the on the movement as well and and this one is not probably relevant to anyone but i think it's an interesting anecdote that i saw some research that you know sleep paralysis it is the thing that you think you are awake but you are still in sleep this kind of uh, illusion it it happens when you're sleeping on your back it it doesn't uh, happen in other other positions and usually the it, uh, it depends on the culture how people feel this sleep paralysis. Some in U.S. people usually think, think that it's a U- UFO abduction because they have heard the stories of this, and they always lie on the back in this. But but this is probably not not very useful <laughs> for anyone. But I think it's just interesting thing. Um, and could you also tell about this? Uh, working on changing the hardware that you can also measure with uh, with 25 5 hertz so it it uh, it is possible then to harmonize the data 
Yeah, so so um, you could say for, for some applications, it, it makes sense to have a higher uh, sample rate for, for the devices. And and it's actually, you can say, it's actually something that, that we can configure. But of course, we need, we need you can say, all the other subsystems to, to follow that. So if we move from, we're using, um, for normal purposes, we're using 12 uh, hertz, and we are we you can say moving towards a twenty five hertz device for specific applications, um, and uh, and you can say the benefits from from that is for example that if you have very high intensity movement, then uh, then you would kind of you would you would kind of be able to have you would have a larger precision for for the high intensity movements basically. So when you when you do like um, if you if you do a very high uh, frequency movements like if you're running a hundred meter sprint or something like that then your legs are moving quite fast and and when you look at like like twelve hertz it's a little bit borderline to uh, to to actually be able to to measure that so both in terms of the intensity and the frequency of um, of that movement. Um, and and there you you would be much more in the clear. You can say if you if you go to twenty five hertz, but for normal applications, it's actually not uh, not required to go much higher than these uh, these I would say eleven twelve hertz, um, because then you would you would have the the two times oversampling for your um, for your um, movements. So meaning if you if your legs are moving like. Five hertz, for example, that's that's a fairly fairly uh, quick sprint. But it is something that we are, that we're currently working on, and it, it has been it has been something which has been requested from uh, from some of the research groups, and and also when you, it it is something which would be quite relevant if you look at arm movements, um, because arm movements are um, in, of nature of a higher frequency normally. So having very precise interpretation of arm movements would be something that that the new um, higher update frequency would would be able to to uh, to enable us to to do as well. I, I yeah I, I think it's it's quite important to maybe point out here that it's always a compromise whether you whether you go like for example you can go up with the specs that but then you usually lose measurement time it takes longer to analyze the data so i think it's important to understand that it's it's a compromise so so with now with 12.5 hertz you can actually measure 15 weeks with one charge which is super practical and opens up new possibilities for research designs then when you go to 25 25 hertz it's maybe half the time so it's still a good seven and a half weeks but but it's it's always a balance, and I think also with the the measurement range, does it measure from plus minus two plus minus four? Sometimes people think that ah, it's better that it's plus minus sixteen, for example. But at the same point, you you lose sensitivity. So I think it's I think it's important to know that it's always a compromise, and and you lose something when you go go the other end. Could you tell a little bit more about this? 
these features and kind of compromises how to find the balance between different different yeah uh, you can say when, when like when we when we chose to to go with the uh, with the 12 uh, hertz or 12.5 um i we we did a lot of analysis of of different movements and and what we what we uh, figured out from that was that or oh, it's only when you do this you can say like 100 meter sprint like activities that that you actually that you actually see a benefit from going higher on the uh, on the refresh rate um so it the compromise was a little bit finding you know the sweet spot because we we also have of course with the very small device um we have limited memory and we also have limited time to do the the data transfer so we use the the bluetooth low energy to to transfer data and we would actually like that to be of course as fast as possible as and uh, as efficient as 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 possible so so that that has uh, that has kind of been this 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 compromise on it um but what we have with with the 12.5 hertz is really you know enough to measure for um for i would say almost all applications so it is only kind of like special applications where you would you would need more but of course it's nice to have the the possibility to go there as well right because if you want like hand movements or you want to to measure like um like someone doing extreme extremely fast sports again 100 meter sprints or something like that then then having the possibility to move to 25 hertz is is a big advantage definitely and and you, you were saying about the data transfer speed could you give us an idea how how long it takes for example to transfer via bluetooth that one one day which consists of 24 hours of data yeah, so transferring uh, like twenty-five hours of data would uh, would take like five, about five to six minutes, and and normally it's it's done completely automatic. So so you can say it it, it doesn't matter that much because it's it's anyway running in the background of of, uh, of your phone. Um, so 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 that it's 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 maybe less important, but but for many applications, um, in reality, it is actually quite quite important because you you then you might be able to store up to um, 10, 12 days of data perhaps on a device, and then when you multiply that up, and you get the devices, you might have hundred devices that you get back, and then you leave them near a phone then you can you can multiply that and you very quickly get to you know a few days of of uh, data upload required um so so it is it is quite important and if you go to 25 hertz you simply double the amount of data it's 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 fairly simple math actually and you also kind of you know only have half the um the memory available in in terms of days of of data so in reality, if we have like twelve days of of memory on the on the device, then we would only have six with with twenty five hertz. So, so that 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 is kind of the compromise with it as well. Mm. Although, of course, if the person has the phone, then then it's it's no problem that it's only only one week of data locking. But but if you if you decide to do it without the phone, like we have one project where they wanted to have it as easy as possible for participants so basically participants just receive the device and they wear it and nothing 
nothing else. So yeah, those those are decisions and and compromises. And we, we also have, um, I think, just just a small uh, small supplement. We we have uh, another project actually where they're using this on on elderly patients uh, who had surgery, and then they're monitoring for, uh, for actually for fifteen weeks. So basically, the full lifespan of of the sensor. So they they just mount it after surgery, and then out they go. And and they are in that project. They're relying on the patients themselves offloading data. Um, and and it's actually it's actually uh, you know working out for them. But it is it is something that requires uh, some attention from the from the patient side in in order to do that because they don't have you know we don't have fifteen weeks of of memory. We only have these like ten to fourteen days of memory. So. So they have to at least, I would say, once per week, you know, offload data in order to make 100% sure that, that they're not losing data in, in the project. Although it's quite simple, just putting the app open and then it, it's transferred. But yeah, need to do that. Uh, you, were, you were earlier mentioning about work exposure measurements, and you said that you are measuring maybe if if people are standing too much. Do you have any... Any other applications in mind to measure with this this system? As a, if you're talking about, you're thinking about kind of like work environment in in general. I think there's there's a lot of um, there's been a lot of research going on um, with within that area to figure out what is what is uh, what is a harmful physical activity exposure, and um, and I think we we are working with. The National uh, Research Center for uh, for Work Environment here in Denmark, which uh, I would say some of the some of the leading researchers in in, in that area, and uh, I'm I'm a little bit humble uh, towards that because I think that they're really you know they have all the expertise on it, um, and and working with them is uh, is is really you can say a significant benefit for us. So they they kind of you know take our, our data in, they do their own interpretations of it, and we're actually working on right now in including the interpretations that, that they have developed through 10, 15 years of research and including that into our, our technology platform so that you can say the next researchers coming up, the next projects coming up with other researchers, other another, you can say, play, um, you can say in, in other countries, for example, they would be able to use exactly the same system, get the same data out, and and be able to replicate some of the large um, scale projects that that um, that the National Research Center for for Work Environment has been doing here in here in Denmark, and it would also you know help them in turn, and that's of course where we want to go with this. Um, in turn to actually be able to provide interventions as well. So if you're thinking about like what are then the harmful exposures and we would then be able to provide some direct feedback on on that. And some of the, you can say it's, it's of course not only if you're standing too long or sitting too long, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like um, supplementary things to this. And, and it is really, you can say it is really research ongoing because it it's a lot of things influencing each other and there's also you know a big difference from person to person so 
And that's that's a little bit also where research is going right now to to figure out what are then the what are then some of the basic parameters you can look into when you look at what is a harmful exposure, and and what is the influence, for example, of you know how um, how your body is is um, so your 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 strength, for example, your muscles, uh, how your body is built in, in in general. What is the influence of of those things? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it was really interesting their new study about the overhead work, and they they had the finding that if you have over ninety degree angle in your in in the overhead work, and I think it was just two minutes per day, and it increased like long term sickness absence by was it fourteen percent? So I think that's a really important finding measuring it, and with the accelerometer you can. You can measure the angle when you attach it there. That what is the position? So I, I think there can be really interesting applications and really useful, useful applications in the future. In addition to measuring sedentary behavior and walking, yeah. So so we have had pretty interesting discussions about about the system, our collaboration, different different analytics, different compromises with the data and and features. This has been really really interesting discussion. So thanks, Casper, for taking the time for this this podcast. It's been a pleasure to be here, Oli. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.